The choices you make and specifically the way you choose to see God matters. How you choose to interpret the circumstances of your life matters because what you choose to believe about Him is who you'll show others that He is. Will you choose to see Him through the eyes of fear and doubt or through the understanding of a God who not only loves us, but is love? Join me today as we learn to see Him rightly, as we learn to choose love. Hello again. I'm excited about another episode of Choose Love with you. I will just start right away with prayer and let's just see what the Lord wants to speak to our hearts today. Father, thank you so much for um, just life, all the things. <laughs> I just had a picture today of being on a roller coaster and just throwing our hands up in the air and just riding with you and enjoying the ups and the downs and the spins and turns, the unexpected moments. It's all worth it when we do it with you. And I thank you that nothing um, that's a part of our lives scares you or surprises you. And you are here for it all. You don't miss a moment and you're with us. Thank you for being the provider for all that we need for every single moment, every single breath. Thank you for who you are to my heart. Thank you for who you are to each one of us. We love you and we listen for your words today. In Jesus' name. All right, well, I want to speak with you today about your great awakening. You know, this is a time where we're having a lot of emphasis on uh, revival coming to the nations. And uh, I know we've had recent revivals that break out in different parts of um, of the body of Christ. And, you know, we've had uh, a movie come out that's some major bestseller, I guess, called The Jesus Revolution. I have to be honest, I have not seen it yet, but vicariously through Johnny, I did. I've watched some interviews um, about the movie and interviews about Lonnie Frisbee, who was kind of a, a central piece um, in his relationship with the Lord to what broke out that we now know of as kind of the Jesus movement is what it's been, been called. But, you know, there was um, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I think in the early 1900s, Azusa Street, all of that. Forgive me if I'm wrong on the timing. And then kind of another wave came years later when Lonnie Frisbee in a, um, you know, drug stupor had this incredible encounter with Jesus. And it was around the same time that there was all this free love and the hippie movement in the late 60s, early 70s, that it was a, a, a war climate from the Vietnam War and the, the younger end of our generation at the time were just burnt out on death and destruction. And they were looking for something that was an escape and that was also more meaningful. And so many would go to these like uh, concerts outdoors, like Woodstock and, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of drugs and um, free sex, all of that. And 
of course, God in the midst of that raises up a standard and his standard is his presence. It's an encounter with him. And um, anyway, to me, that's how I would summarize the Jesus revolution. And, and eventually it spilled into the churches, but it started outside of the four walls of the local churches and went um, went through the, the younger generation. And then they started going to church. And some in the church, especially the, the charismatic movement, you know, uh, embraced them with open arms. And that was hard because up until that point, um, you know, there was a lot of talk about revival and the Great Awakening, but that talk was still in the context of what they knew at the time, which is a religious mindset. And so I think every generation has that same religious mindset that looks a little different, repackaged, um, to overcome in order to have a great awakening, a revival, a, a visitation of, um, you know, mass waves of encounters with Jesus on a, on a mass scale, not just personally. But of course, all of that starts with, with Jesus and one person. And it can start with Jesus and one one person all over that then becomes this wave that we long to see that eventually produces a harvest of, of, you know, people that haven't known Jesus that all of a sudden have an, a, a hunger to know the real him. And our generation needs that. Uh, the young adults in our generation need that, but it starts with every single one of us, um, not just maintaining Jesus at the center of our lives, but actually having an awakening. And so um, I want to just encourage our hearts in our personal great awakening, your great awakening, your Jesus revolution. And a revolution is basically um, when something just comes and takes over. It's a, it's a new mentality. It's a new focus. It's a shift for sure. And, um, you know, oftentimes we are so just in survival mode, anywhere from actually truly trying to survive very difficult, traumatic things going on in our lives to, um, you know, just surviving the disappointments of life, the disappointments that have moved in and settled into our hearts. And um, I think that is, to be honest, you know, a, a place that the Lord's going after in me right now. Um, I'm going to put two links to two different YouTube videos in the description today and encourage you to watch whether you're men or women, you're going to get something out of this. I promise you it's worth the time. Really the best thing I've heard in a long time, these two videos. If you've um, never heard of Jonathan and Melissa Helzer, they have a ministry called Cageless Birds, and they do um, retreats, but they also do, evidently, I wish I was younger so that I could go, but um, these long, like you go for like two months and six months, it's it's almost like a school, an intensive, and I think, I don't know if they still call it this, but it was like the 18-inch journey from your head to your heart, and it was um, something that they started to really help people reconnect to themselves and their the, the fullness of their own hearts and therefore the fullness of their relationship with God because God 
is looking to inhabit the fullness of who we are and not just compartments of who we are. And anyway, Melissa has um, these two uh, blogs out. They're videos on YouTube. Um, I think the first one is called Becoming a Powerful Woman. Please, men, do not let this scare you. You will get something out of this, I promise you. And I'll explain why in a minute. And then part two, um, I think it was something about doing the hard work or how to do the work, something like that. So I'll put the links there, but I have a plan that I'm gonna be going back through those. I was I was driving when I was listening to those, so I wasn't able to take notes, but I just felt like the Holy Spirit saying, dig here for a while. So I'm gonna go back and take extensive notes. And then um, my hope is to come back to one of our Choose Love sessions and to actually kind of reteach it to you in my own words and using some of their language as well, but just with some of my own personal experiences. But all that to say, as I was listening to those this week, the Lord was just speaking to my heart and saying, you know, um, through the videos, one of the things they talk about is doing the right work. We're always working hard. We're either working hard at compartmentalizing our lives and stuffing pain and disappointment and ignoring um, things that are root issues that cause us to act and make choices and to think um, in a way that's not the best that God has for us. And so we'll do hard work trying to manage behavior or trying to manage our emotions rather than doing the correct hard work, which is to sit with the Lord and go into those places in our hearts that need his attention and that need conversations with him. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to last week um, teach about hearing God's voice because God's voice is so key to us being able to sit and connect with him and allow him to address things in our lives and in our hearts and go after the root places where we're hurting. Um, my biggest uh, challenge in, in recent years is different than the challenges that I've had in past years. In past years, I had, you know, traumatic things that I'd gone through as a child or as a young adult that I, I needed to allow the Lord to bring back to the surface and address. But there were things that had already taken place in my life. They weren't ongoing issues. They caused ongoing issues because I would be triggered because I hadn't addressed the root things in my heart. Um, but I had done some hard work in the right ways with the Lord. The, the, the challenge that's different for me now is I would say while maintaining my privacy, um, which you guys know, I, I love to be authentic. I love to be real. If this was something that I could let you in on, then I would, but it's not just about me. And so I'm not willing to do that. Um, but the challenge that I currently have is that it's an ongoing disappointment. It's something that's not resolved, that um, is causes daily pain in my heart. Um, and so in a situation like that, and maybe you can relate to that, it's much, it feels much easier to just stuff it really deep 
or kind of just put it way on the side and decide I'm just not gonna live from that place because that place is unresolved and traumatic and painful and what do I do with it anyway? Because if I live from that place, you know, how could I be present? How could I, how could I enjoy the things that are good and are right and are healthy and aren't disappointing? How do you merge both of those things at the same time? And for a while, I felt like the Lord, um, you know, gave me permission to do that. I didn't know what else to do. I feel him wooing me to a place where we're going to go after some of the ongoing um, challenge, as I just called that. But, you know, I... I've realized that what's at stake, what's at cost is that I am fully aware that there's a part of me that's a little numb. There's a part of me that's a little um, on autopilot where I'm showing up in the ways that I want to show up for the people I want to show up and how I want to show up, but I'm not showing up with everything because of the part of me that's in pain. And so I'm just inviting you to go on this journey with me. I don't know what it's going to look like, sound like the next few weeks, but um, I know that there is a Jesus revolution that I'm being invited into. I know there is a great awakening for me that I'm being invited into, and I don't want to miss it. And so I want to to speak a couple things into that, and then I'll circle back to the personal aspect of this, okay? So a question for you. What would you look like or feel like fully awake, fully alive, not numb in any part of your heart, not um, disconnected from any part of your heart, again, because of root issues. And of course, awake, the opposite of wake or uh would be to be asleep, sedated, numb, or I'll add merely surviving. So what would you look like and feel like not asleep, not sedated, not numb, and not merely surviving? In fact, in the center of the life that God dreamed for you for right now. You know, sometimes we can get in touch with this idea of God has a dream for your life, but somehow that's always like something in the future. Well, what about for right now? Did God have a dream for you each and every step of the way? Or did he only have a dream for you at some climax in your life? And then everything leading up to that is just kind of like, hope you get there. No, I believe that that God has a dream for your life and what it can look like right now with the circumstances that you're faced with, with all the disappointments, with all the challenges that are there right now, with the lack, with the doubt, all of it. Right now, he he has a dream for what your life and your heart could be fully awake and fully alive. And in the center of the life that he has for you today and tomorrow, not just, you know, sometime in the future, big picture. 
when God thought of you for the very first time, was he picturing what you might think of mainly right now? Like if you thought, okay, what could a dream life look for me like right now? You might start listing off circumstances, things like relationships and your home, your financial situation, maybe a car or whatever the things are that that we think of when we think of what comprises our life. But I, I believe God obviously cares about those things. And I'm not saying that he um, doesn't have, you know, his best in mind for you in each of those areas. But I would also believe that what he was thinking of primarily when he thinks of his dream for our lives and for each day of our lives, he's thinking of something that matters even more. And that's our hearts. That's what's going on on the inside, our, our thought life, our um, way of looking at things, our way of looking at ourselves, our way of looking at him. That's what he really dreams into and dreamed into and thought of the very first time that he ever thought of each one of us. I believe he was thinking of the condition of our heart and our thought life and our beliefs. And so that's where the real work matters and the real work needs to be done on that level. So it's our spirit. It's the part of us that lives forever. That's, that's at the center and the core of his dreams for you, for me. John 10.10, 10, very familiar scripture. We know it talks about the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he, he, Jesus, he says, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. One, one um, New King James Version translation says, I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Passion translation, I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Well, we've all lived long enough to know Jesus didn't come to give us the nicest house, the nicest car, all the things that we want, Right? There are times when we are blessed with those things, but that's not what he came for, right? What did he come for? He came to give us life in its fullness. Life in its fullness has to do, again, with um, our, our inside condition of our, our soul, our heart, our mind, our spirit, and us being fully awake and fully alive. So how, who do we look to as our best example of that? Jesus. I mean, Jesus modeled for us what it looks like to be fully awake and fully alive. And yet he laid his life down. Like how, how did he do it all? How did he do both? Jesus, who could have distanced his heart and emotions and just did the right thing. He could have showed up just to do the things that he know he was sent here to do. Just get it done, right? All right. 
Preach, check. Heal the sick, check. Cast out demons, check. Get some disciples, check. You know, go through torture, lay his life down, resurrect, come back, send the Holy Spirit. Whew, I'm out of here. I'm back in heaven, right? If there was ever anyone who would have had full permission to do that, it would be Jesus. Like, all that would have been enough. But he, he fully connected with every single person that was right in front of him. Every moment, every day of his 33 years here. And at the same time, at the same time, he was fully connected to his eternal purpose. And that means to you and me. So he could have distanced his heart and his emotions and just got on autopilot and done the right thing but he didn't. He lived connected to his heart and he lived connected, guess what? To his needs. Whoa. So one of the things that is expressed that just stuck in my memory from the two videos that I just told you about was they were talking about this and they were talking about how Jesus, um, you know, he had needs. And there, there is a lie that we often believe especially women, but I, I believe there are maybe even more so men, that it's, it's not okay to be needy. Now, I'm not talking about needy in a dysfunctional way where you just like, you know, suck the life out of every person around you. But, but we were actually created to need, first of all, our Father. Jesus needed the Father. That didn't make him weak. That actually made him the most powerful of all because he was the most dependent of any human who's ever lived, moment by moment, dependent on his father. He only did what he saw his father doing. He only said what he heard his father saying. So if Jesus needed God, and then they go on in the video to point out that Jesus actually needed his disciples. He expressed, you know, in the garden um, of Gethsemane, can you just not stay awake? You know, that's always, it's always intrigued me because I've never really understood, like, how could the God of the universe be disappointed that, you know, mere men fell asleep and didn't pray for him? Why did Jesus, the creator of all things, need, you know, humanity to pray for him? Why did he need his brothers to, to stay awake and pray for him? I mean, what he was facing was so much bigger, but he did. He needed, so that gives us permission to need him and need each other. And that doesn't make you the wrong kind of needy. Um, so Jesus didn't distance his heart and his emotions from other people. He would cry over a city. He cried over the death of Lazarus, who he knew he was going to raise from the dead, but he still was that connected to his own heart, fully in touch with his own heart. He allowed all of the emotions of that moment to be be front and center in his heart, in his mind, and through his tears. 
I mean, the God of the universe. He, he lived fully connected to his own heart, his own emotions, and to those around him. He was moved with compassion over and over and over again. All of the people that would come to him that he healed, many, if not most of them, were healed because it says he was moved with compassion and he healed them all. He could he didn't have to be moved with compassion, right? I mean, he knew they were going to be healed. He didn't have to like be so fully present and so in the moment that he would have to be you know, feel sorry for him. It it's almost it, it I don't know. It's it's doing something in my heart seeing him in this light. And he got angry. You know, he got ticked off. We know that he went in and turned tables in the temple. We know that he used some very choice words with um, the Pharisees and those that were misrepresenting his father, our father. So he was fully awake. Jesus had to be fully present in order to feel all that he allowed himself to feel. So how can you be fully present if there are areas of your heart that you're disconnected from? Something to think about. He also obviously had to be fully connected to the Father. So it's, um, you know, in Australia, there's an instrument called the didgeridoo. And the didgeridoo is, from what I understand, the only wind instrument that is played where you are doing what's called circular breathing. So you're literally making a sound by blowing air out at the same time that you are pulling air in through your nose. So it's um, evidently a talent that you have to learn how to do, a skill, but it you're, you're breathing in and out literally at the same time, and it makes this constant sound. That circular breathing, I, I just picture that's like, that's what it means to be fully connected like Jesus was to heaven and to earth at the same time. It's, it's that circular breathing of, I am created for eternal things and my mind is connected to my Father and the Holy Spirit and Jesus as they are speaking to me and I'm doing life with them, in them, through them, that abiding while I'm also fully present with my own heart, for good or bad, whatever the emotions are in the moment, whatever the disappointments are, whatever the hopes are, fully present and fully present with whoever is in front of me, where I'm, I'm, I'm truly seeing them. I believe that this is the great awakening. This is the great awakening that he's inviting each one of us into. It's our awakening. It's an awakening to this ability that he created us with, the capacity to be fully alive, fully present, and fully connected to our hearts and, and to truly see those around us. You know, Jesus thought of us. He thought of you and me while he was connecting to the person in front of him. I believe that every person he connected with, he, he saw the faces of humanity, of all of his, um, 
his sons and daughters, his brothers and sisters, his beautiful bride. <sighs> There's one more thing I wanted to touch on. Let's see if I can find it. Okay, Jesus, another thing about him. He did not live or die in a vacuum, right? Um, it wasn't like this just plop point of time, landed here, departed. No, he, he was here and he lived and he died in eternity in the context, for eternity in the context of time. And as he is, so are we in this world. I mean, just think of that. We, we are eternal beings who can live connected to that while we have connection in time. It's just, I don't know, my mind's just kind of wow. Jesus's days of ministry and leading to his death were constantly colliding with other individuals' stories and their need for breakthrough. But of course, his death and his resurrection also collided with every single person's story. So he was, his own story, what was happening to him, what he was needing to accomplish for his own life, right? That translates into our lives. That story of his was colliding in any given moment with another person's story and their need for breakthrough. This man in front of him needed the blind eyes open. This, this man needed to be confronted for his religiosity. This woman needed the issue of blood healed. And, and all of that was happening while he was accomplishing who, who he was created to be in his lifetime here on earth. While at the same time, his death and his resurrection collided with every single person's story that's ever lived, will ever live. We are all connected through Jesus. He is that point of connection. It is through Jesus that we are connected to every person that has ever lived or will ever live. It is through Jesus, the central point, that we can be connected fully to our own hearts because he's done the hard work for us. So when we talk about doing the hard work of going after the root issues in our own lives so that we can live from the fullness of our hearts and be fully awake and fully alive, we're talking about Jesus who sits with us through the Holy Spirit in our roller coaster. <laughs> you know, your ride and my ride look different on any given day, but but this, the common thread that we have is that he's with us. He's next to us. He helps us sort through and come out on the other side of that day's joys and that day's fears and that day's um, disappointments, all of it. He's in all of it. So we're all connected. We are all awakening not only to ourselves, but to everyone around us. So I just want to leave you with that. Um, 
There's a place of surrender that comes, that has to come in order for us to go into those places in our hearts that we need to go with the Lord so that we can experience our own great awakening, our own Jesus revolution. So I'd just like to pray with you and let's start this process together. As I said, over the next several weeks, I'm just going to be following up on even, you know, what I'm experiencing in my own heart with the Lord and the things that I talked about at the beginning. Jesus, thank you for being the one who is um, so faithful to never leave us, never turn, never be... Um, you never turned off. You never turn away from those things in our hearts that, that we even shut down within ourselves. You're there waiting, knowing that those places need your attention. And so we just want to give you permission. Um, I give you permission over the next several weeks to just go into the places in my heart that I've gotten numb and that I haven't known what to do with. And um, let's do the work together. I want to do the hard work, but I want to do the right hard work. And I want to do it with you. We thank you for the, the joy that is set before us. It's a place of freedom. It's a place of being fully alive and fulfilling the dreams that you have for each one of us for each day that you have planned. Thank you that you're already there waiting in each future moment to be with us, to speak to us, to reveal things to us, to bring us further and further along in our um, journey of looking like the one that we behold. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, join me next week for Choose Love and uh, be sure to like and subscribe and all those things and we'll see you then.